This season, we're sponsored by our friends at SongTrust, the world's largest and most accessible music publishing administrator. Sign up now to join over 300,000 songwriters and collect your publishing royalties from more than 215 countries and territories. Use the promo code PUBCAST20 to sign up at 20% off your SongTrust registration. Welcome, Pubcasters. On today's episode, we dive into the world of artist development with my friend Charlie Salvatore. Charlie shares the underdog story of his artist, Russell Dickerson, and we discuss the influence of TikTok on the careers of his artists, Avenue Beat and Priscilla Block. Welcome back, Pubcast listeners. We are here today, and on this episode, I think was going to be one of our exciting ones. I'm sitting with my Good friend and artist manager, Charlie Salvatore. Welcome to the uh, AIMP National Pubcast, Charlie. Tim, thanks for having me. Uh, Absolutely. Excited to to finally get a chance (laughs) to chat with you. Yeah. Uh, Let's get a little backstory for those that may not know you. Yeah. I went to college at Stevenson University in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, And from there, I had gotten lucky enough to work, get a job working in the sports agency and marketing world. The marketing company I was working for was called the Tufton Group, and they ran. It was, Cal Ripken owned the company. It was his own marketing company, and we ran all of his marketing and PR in house per se. Uh, through that, was really able to gain like a really interesting perspective on things, and got to do some amazing, amazing things. Um, at the time, there was a young R&B singer, Mario. Uh, I don't if anybody remembers him. Might be, might be dating us too. <laughs> Remember Mario? I do. I did. He, well, he was from Baltimore, and some form of fashion ended up getting connected with uh, Ira, who I was working for. Because he was also an attorney and was looking for, you know, just some some help, advice to kind of look through his recording contract at the time. So that was my first moment of the music business. Is the seeing this recording contract, it dropped on my desk one day and my, my boss kind of said, Hey, look at this. Like, I was like, I don't know anything about the music business. I'm like, I don't know anything about the music business. So I just remember, I don't remember anything specifically from it other than that being my first like intrigue moment of the music industry. Um, and then kind of fast forward from there, uh, girlfriend at the time wanted to be a country music singer. And, uh, I decided that it would be a wonderful idea to move to Nashville with her and try to work in the music business. I was so intrigued by this uh, <laughs> this uh, recording contract that I had once saw. So Chasing I, uh, girls, bro. That's yeah. a bad idea, man. Yeah, so <laughs> I chased, uh, I chased uh, uh, a lady here. It uh, didn't work out so well. And I figured, this was in 2004. I, remember, I just remember how hard could it be to work in the music business. Delusional. Just delusional. Absolutely identity. delusional. And I remember just sending out mass emails to folks, just looking for jobs and shooting my resume around like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm smart from the sports world. And I just remember getting an email back one time saying like, yeah, like I have like 10 best friends that have lost, lost jobs this year because the industry is in shambles. Uh, what makes you think you're ever going to have a chance in this industry? And I was like, oh, yeah, that <laughs> got it. Got some work to do. So I'll fast forward that from there, man, I, I just tried to get every job I could in the world. Um, ended up working at BMI up in the tower of data entry, as I call it, uh, was doing that 
had met Ali Harnell somehow through, I think through my girlfriend at the times was, was babysitting for her or something like that. So I ended up, I was working at BMI doing a quote unquote fake internship at uh, AEG during the, during the day. At one point I would like change, come down, change out a shirt and tie at BMI and like throw on jeans and a t-shirt. So I looked like I was cool running over to AEG. And then, and then the first struggle struck a luck for me was I got a job working the door at the Bluebird Cafe. So I worked there for two and a half years. I worked the door and I bring that up because it's such an important part of our town. And I, I feel like I worked four or five nights a week there and I just, I got a master's education in songwriting. Um, I just paid really close attention. That's, that was when I fell in love with songwriting and, and songwriters and, and really started falling in love with the, you know, with the music aspect of things. So I worked there, I was selling songwriter CDs at not, you know, forum, you know, closing out the, you know, the, the account and giving, paying people. But the, another important thing that I feel like happened for me there is I would look up every single songwriter that was playing before the show. And then I look them up and I look up who the publishers were and I just try to like stalk internet, stalk everybody. So when they walked through the door, I knew, um, I knew who everybody was. When I was sitting, when I was seating them at their tables, a humbling experience to be seating them at their tables, but I was very thankful um, for the opportunity. From there, I met a girl that was doing independent song plugging, and I had never, and you know, I had no idea what that was. Um, so I decided that I would help her do that, and I left BMI to go do that. But that's when I first, at the Bluebird Cafe, doing this independent song plugging thing, I had met Logan Mize. Um, we'd saw him at the Bluebird one night and just thought he was really awesome. And was, at the time, I had no idea. I was just trying to figure out how to work with him and didn't even really know what working with him meant. Um, Blake Chaffin was one of the writers that we were, uh, that we were independent song plugging for. I think he's paying us like 50 bucks a month to like try to get him co-writes and pitch the songs for him. So I'd set him up with Blake and just some of these early buddies. So that wasn't really paying the bills. We had had a little bit of success and I had another part-time job where I was helping set up the radio remotes for the CMA awards and met a girl there that worked at a merchandise company, Crown Tidwell Merchandise, and just got a random email one day asking if uh, I wanted to go out on the road to sell merchandise for a little big town. And I was poor. So I said, yes. And it, it was that moment um, getting that experience on the road with them and selling merch that I, I really started to realize like, Oh, got to see what the manager was doing, how the manager touched so many different aspects and just kind of realized at that moment that I, you know, management was going to be my path. And from there just knew, you know, from reading and asking folks, like the best way to become a manager was to either, you know, get an internship and work your way through the, the system and that kind of felt like it wasn't going to be my past and then tour manager way into a management position or just manage an artist and it'll work out and you'll be a manager so i decided to take the tour managing route and the managing artist route and just do them at the same time i'm going to lead to you if you don't mind jumping in a little bit because i know you also work with russell dickerson uh who is an artist that, you know, I remember Russell. He was uh, hustling around town, 
putting together projects, always loved his, he was just such a driven guy for me. Um, but I know he, he had many swings at bat to try to get a major label deal and that didn't really come together for him. But I'm going to let you pick up his story because he's a classic national story. Been doing it, been doing it, but never gave up. Because through what that looked like, because again, I, I really love developing what you guys have done with him and the effort you put in. So if you can kind of give it, because nobody, I love cheering the underdogs. And if there's a guy that I've seen really champion and gets where he and deserves the success he's having, it's freaking Russell. So if you want to walk through that a little bit, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I come into John's in 2014, 15. Um, so it, John had been with Russell, I think at the same, you know, token for four or five years already. And they had been doing things and, and, and trying and, you know, grinding. And uh, so I get there and, Love to say I come in and take credit for it, but it, Russell turned in. Uh, he had gone in and recorded like a, a little EP with uh, Casey Brown, uh, who, who had been writing these songs with, and turned it in. And it was just amazing and blew us away. And I, I remember he came in one day to meet with John. I, at the time, I didn't know Russell super well. I hadn't been working with him a ton yet uh, because there just wasn't anything to work on. Um, and he came in and met with John and. and Russell came down the stairs. I remember just like, if you know Russell or you've been around him, like just the most positive, happy guy you'll ever be around. Glass is always half full, always half full with him. He came running down the stairs. He goes, JD, he goes back up. He goes, JD, we're starting a record label. Um, and, it, <laughs> and the combo with them was the combo with them was like, Hey, we're not, you know, you have this music, like let's just do this together. And, and figure it out. And, you know, the, to the same token that we've, I've always said with, with Logan, we're just never going to let anyone tell us that we can or can't have a career. That's just the thought of that is just ridiculous. So it, it started there and um, we had yours and we knew that song was special and, you know, we were going to be the label. So it's, it's the pressure's on, like we're going to put this song out into the world and we're going to, do everything we can to, to support it, to, to move it to the next steps. And let me jump in here one yeah. second, if I can interrupt your trip. So what at this point in time made you think you could do this on an indie level? Like what made you go, all right, if we put this out, like if you can get specific, like, because I know around that time, Spotify was kind of a thing. You had yeah. XM was a thing. Like if you can get specific on yeah. what made it you even think this was a possibility to do this at that well, point? Cause we, we've all kind of transitioned to being labels now, but let's back right. that up and say how that, how that started. So Russell, it, one thing you knew about him is he was great. Like he was great live. So you knew you could, it, it wasn't the development that had to happen on the road, which for him was a wind in our sails that we knew we had. Um, if we just get, some activity on music and get him to a point where he could get out on the road. He could really start to win. So that was the confidence with Russell to know uh, that we could go. Like there was something to activate on. Um, and at that time, like, you know, this is 2015. So yeah, there was XM radio and there had been plenty of, you know, Logan had had success. FGL had launched. Chase Rice launched off there. Cole Swindell. Um, like FGL. Yeah, you know, there's this platform that we're all staring at that's launched artists, um, and we see that there's an appetite from the public for an independent artist. And the one thing XM has built that's instilled to this day is very, 
very valuable and um, a, a big platform is their highway signs program. Because they they went beyond just playing a song, they go, they really indelve that uh, highway find into their highway community, and the the highway has done a really good job of building their own community and brand. So it was a powerful tool. And then at the same time, obviously, we're seeing you know Spotify and streaming start to to come in. And Spotify at at the time was you know they were supporting an independent artist uh, a lot as well. Um, and so we knew there was opportunity there. I mean, Logan, I saw it with Logan, like we had had success on Spotify um, before he had signed to Sony. So I, we, we saw all these things and knew there were different paths and windows to at least try to expose Russell's music. And cause you, like I said, yeah. So this was kind of like a perfect storm at that. Cause I, I remember that era of time. This was like a perfect storm happening because as you said, like Exxon really put a, an intentional focus on discovery, which is, uh, I'm a nerd when it, I love discovering new talent. And it, up to that point, if I'm being honest, it was very hard to do. Radio was very syndicated. Breaking new artists was getting more and more challenging. Labels were not putting in the amount. They would say they were, and this is not a slam on major labels. They are just the big ship. And it's very hard to move those big ships on a small development level. But this opened up the door for people to find a new avenue for discovery and build, as they like to say, at the majors, a story. A story. The opportunity to build out an artist's story at that mid-level, right? So yep. I just want to fill in that, that backstory. So that's where you guys thought, we'll just do this shit on our own. We don't need anybody. We'll just put it out and, and grind it. And so you can pick up from there because uh, that that just kind of fills in that 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 was the perfect yeah. storm of transition at that time. At that time, and so and this is you know this is happening. Um, like I said, like you mentioned this before, he creates his own opportunities, um, and he's not afraid to, you know, use his cards when he when he has had to. When his wife Kaylee and Russell had went and shot the Yours video, and it was you know. And seeing it now, it was a magical video that they shot for $6 and um, God was on their side and gave them a beautiful natural backdrop um, and a beautiful thunderstorm to, to use in the video that they had not planned on using. And we hadn't even seen the video yet. And Russell was going into a concert, I think it's something at Bridgestone and ran into uh, John Marks at the time who, who was at the highway and uh, they showed him this video that they had just shot to this song, yours. And, and that was it that, that, that kicked it, that kicked it off and got John, uh, he saw the video and saw how powerful it was. And, you know, th that was the start of, of that song, um, on the highway. Um, um, and then started getting support from the streaming, you know, Spotify and streaming service. And the, and the video the whole time was doing phenomenally well on YouTube. I think we'd be remiss not to, you know, to be able to create an amazing piece of content and to have a platform to, to, to get it on. That is, that does drive discovery. I think definitely was a factor for, uh, you know, the overall consumption of the song and for people finding Russell. But again, you know, I remember we had 20, we were approaching 20 million streams on yours. And I think we had had about a hundred thousand downloads of the single. Which uh, I want to just state, I keep interrupting, but that's massive. At that yeah. time, that was unheard of. Like this is, 
I mean, FGL came out really hot, and I know Cole Swindell kind of kicks pretty good, but this this guy was amassing numbers at people on an indie level that was beyond normal at that for that given period right. of time. Yeah. So this all of a sudden got really crazy. It, I think that it and you know it was happening, and um, everyone passed again. We reached out. We made made sure everyone was aware of what was going on and the story that was developing, and uh, we got we got a pass from from everyone. Um, so we just kept, you know, we'd go in every day and we'd just say, what else? What else can we bring? You know, can we bring to this? And you know, we brought on some extra marketing services. We just kept kept going. Um, and you know, by a stroke of luck. Timing, you know, it, divine intervention, divine <laughs> intervention, right? Like 30, um, to see us at, at 30 Tigers and Norbert Nix, who was a free agent at the time, were discussing starting triple Tigers. And we just had some early combos with those guys, and Norbert fell in love with Russell um, and wanted to do it. They saw the story that was developing. Uh, and the numbers that they had and felt like, well, if we're going to start a radio staff, then this is going to be something really good to start it around that, that's moving. As you know, I'm also a fan of another group you signed, uh, this young group of females called Avenue Beat, who I just love and adore because, again, they kind of fit the Russell Dickerson mold. They are driven young ladies that do a lot of their own work, but you're able to guide that work. So um, uh, if you want to touch a little bit now and kind of pick up, okay, so we kind of walked through the 2000s and Russell's continuing to work, but now we have a new model kind of playing out as well and some new tools that have come into play. This new thing called TikTok has kind of happened. Uh, and you had the girls before that. So you sign these girls who are I will say also a very unique group. I, I don't know because they're, they're, they're country, but not country. They're pop. They're just unique. Uh, but the talent, and you see it and you hear it in their music and in their passion. But if you want to talk to some of their, what, where they're going now and kind of back up to how their story started taking off for those that don't know, that would be great too. Cause that'll introduce some of the, the new, the new marketing tools, we'll call them. Yeah. I'll, I'll fast forward for them. We found them on Twitter, 2014. And like you said, the, are they country? Are they pop? What they are is just unbelievably talented. Um, and we saw that and wanted to work with them and, you know, and growing their creativity and keep, we never wanted to keep them in a box. We fast forward to, you know, Ashley Gorley and tape room, see the same thing we do. Let's not keep them in the box. Let's just let them create the music they want to create to, our next partners through the mix was was Scott at, at Big Machine and Allison at Big Machine. They they saw the same thing. Like these are these girls are ridiculously talented. Are they country? Are they pop? Like let's just let them create, and then we'll take the music and do what you know what we're supposed to do with it after they've handed it in. Um, so yeah, it starts out that we put out a country EP at the end of or summer July seventeen, and you know we're we're doing all those things on that level. Um, that you would be doing, you know, just getting them ready to see if we could get a radio single. And then we're going to have a radio single and 2020 hits. So, (laughs) and this was different for us because it was starting from ground zero. Like we had the development part on our, on the management side for us with this was developing, giving the girls the ability to find themselves in their sound. It was less on 
they weren't ready quite yet to like go out and start touring. We didn't have music in the marketplace. It was more like letting this group find themselves. Um, so this is the first time like to do it, you know, to launch it early with a label and to kind of that be part of a major label to be part of that development process. Um, so the things we kind of said it before, it, it's all about just doing everything you can to try to create that story, to try to get something to pop and, and move, uh, which is incredibly hard as you know, like just, you never know what that point of trajectory is going to come from. And, you know, the girls are so amazing at creating their own content and editing their own videos. Like they were it, just as far as even social media is concerned or doing cover videos. So we're doing all that stuff. They're doing cover videos. They're being really active on uh, Instagram and putting other stuff up on YouTube and just pumping the content out, pumping the content out um, along with the music coming out. It just, start creating the story. We knew everyone that they came across loved them. It's just how do you build this and start to get fans to love them as well? It was a, it was slower going in the beginning and then I think maybe we all, you know, we all thought it would be doing the quote unquote things to try to keep, you know, to, to try to break them and to build that story. Um which they're all million dollar questions and answers. Like if you know how to do it every single time, you know, other than if you know how to like just wave the wand and make the story appear. Like if you can find that person to talk to, I'm I'm listening to that one. Um, (laughs) But all these tools that they were, all these things that they were doing, um, Savannah editing the videos and these covers, they're recording their own covers. Like it all plays out for them later, you know, this year um, when, TikTok kind of becomes the thing to use. And it, we knew at the end of the year last year that we wanted TikTok to be part of our, um, of our plan and that we were maybe going to put some music up on TikTok and on that wasn't necessarily uh, something a country programmer was going to think was anything remotely country, you know? So fast forward when, the, when COVID hits, we were, supposed to be going to New York uh, that week when everything really shut down and they were going to be, you know, they're going to be on Kelsey Ballerini's fall tour and their single is coming out. And we had this great setup for their, their single and it all, you know, as it all falls apart for them. But even early COVID when everyone's doing Instagram lives and having, when the artist is now have to, to create content on their own, because you can't get a team in to create or help them or produce something because of social distancing. And, you know, there we see this, like all these tools that they've built now are really, we're looking at it's like, Oh my gosh, like they have a really big chance to win right now because of that they can create and pump out their own content. And this would have been a real easy point for them to just go have a pity party because all this great stuff was about to happen and it just literally shut on them. But again, such a cool part. You've worked with some fun artists, dude, because again, seeing that happen and watching them, because I follow them again because I'm a big fan, but uh, watching they never stopped. Like all of a sudden, like they almost doubled down, as you say, kind of were intimating this on, on the socials and they didn't give up and they kept driving. Again, that's a very, the, the grind and the drive is super important. If you're listening and you're an artist, you can't stop. And again, it's, we're in a wild west. 
because this is a like literally this tool. It's been around a little bit, but it's really become an instrumental tool this year of watching it. Because I think uh, with COVID and everybody driven to social media for entertainment, it is just a rising platform that uh, you can find talent, which is a perfect, not to leave my favorite group of called Avenue B, but that leads right into a perfect segue to Priscilla Block, which is nutty because just from that setup you just gave us of how fluid and quick this is, you found an artist, she's like how quickly did you discover her to this single being out at radio on the radio last week? Yeah. Cause this was nuts for me. I discovered her in towards the end of April. I think I first saw her mid April. And then by the time I reached out to her was the end of April. Um, and she had 25, 30,000 followers at the time. So I guess that what's that April, six, six months, six months from the time I saw her, on TikTok to the time that she had an ad date at country radio with just about every year. Which is crazy. Like just, crazy. Well, man, Charlie, I got to say like, just looking at everything, the future is looking kind of nutty. And I guess we're going to really see how all this plays out. I'm definitely watching Priscilla's career and, and just seeing how this plays out in the future. But at this point, it's just going to be a question mark for everybody. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't think any one of us really knows other than, I mean, I guess my takeaway using to wrap it up on TikTok being in, uh, using it as artist development, you know, you don't have to necessarily find an artist on TikTok. Like you could just use TikTok as a platform to grow the artists that you do have. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AIMP Nashville Pubcast. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us at AIMP Nashville to keep up with news, events, panels, and even new episodes. The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is created by executive producers Dale Bobo and Tim Hunsey, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. Thanks for listening and supporting the AIMP Nashville Pubcast.